welcome back to the show, everyone. I am Matt. And I am Anna. And this is Power and Consequence, a podcast where we break down propaganda and the demagogues who continue to profit off fear and hate. And today we're going to focus on a press conference from June 16th, which featured Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and a bunch of cops and bureaucrats who gathered there to kiss his ass. Oh, well, he's going to be the next president of the United States, you know. Well, I mean, if it... Yeah, according to a recent straw poll of uh, wingnuts, yeah, actually, he did edge out uh, Trump recently. Is that what it was called? Straw poll of wingnuts? I mean, as far as I care. So <laughs> I never I never claimed that this was a nonpartisan show. So anyway, uh, just real quick, uh, if y'all like uh, the show and what we do, uh, keep up with us by following the show on Twitter at ConsequencePod, or you can follow me on Twitter at StopTalkingMatt, and also please subscribe to the show, write us a nice review, and uh, share a link with someone who might enjoy the conversation. Or someone you love? Maybe. Hate? Yeah, I I guess any reason to share the link is good at this point. Share this link with all of your political enemies. Oh man, I don't want... (laughs) <laughs> i want that <laughs> okay cut that out <laughs> no we're keeping that one in so anna how's the world looking out there to you are we are we hopeful hot dry and about to catch on fire uh, is that a metaphor or literal both okay yeah, good i like it double entendre i never settle for just one entendre so let's get to it shall we what is there any other kind <laughs> but a double no i mean i guess is there just a simple entendre I guess just speaking literally is an entendre, right? So it's like when yeah, you're... Yeah, what is the usage well, of like, that? No, because it's like, you know how people say you're overwhelmed? You know, that, that you know, so, so are Can you... Can you ever be whelmed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know and I know the internet's probably answered that one already, but whatever. To my knowledge, whelmed is not really not a really word. Not really a thing? Okay. Again, again, to my knowledge, I did not major in English. Yeah, uh... No worries. We'll, we'll figure it out another day. That'll be the next episode. Well, maybe we'll just do some research and like add it in at the end. I don't know. Hey, if the, for those of you out there who know what it means to be whelmed, uh, hit us up on uh, our Twitter account. DMs are open. So let's get to it. So as I said, today we're going to be looking at a press conference from June 16th. Uh, DeSantis, governor of Florida and general piece of shit, uh, gathered reporters in a room, stood in front of a microphone, and spoke in turn along with Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody and several county sheriffs based in Florida. Sounds so, delightful. Uh, it was great. It was real peachy. Well, it lasted for about 30 minutes. And it, like I said, it was everybody was congratulating the emperor on his new clothes, pretty much. Ah, that's an image. So I wanted to focus on DeSantis and this presser in particular um, because I think it's a good example of sort of performative strongman tactics that, uh, you know, the, the governor's been using. And he's, you know, he's continuing to leverage for political clout. And as you said, Anna, it's becoming more likely, at least so we think, he's probably going to make a, a run for the uh, the Republican ticket in 2024 for president. Yeah, because he's already a governor and with how much clout he sort of has right now. And he does. Yeah. I mean, in certain circles, but, um, it just seems like, I don't think he would settle for like a Senator seat. Mm, probably not. He was already a rep. Actually, he was in the house. Of oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Florida years. house or actual I'm, reps, or I mean, not actual reps, but I mean no, like no, federal yeah. reps, not you fake ass state reps. <laughs> Wanna be assholes. The, mo- the more known reps. <laughs> the real rep. No, yeah, yes, U.S. House of Reps. Yes. 
No, I know that state representatives are busy and real. Yeah, no, he resigned his seat when he ran for governor. So, okay. Anyways, um, this is, of course, you know, about DeSantis. And he starts by running through a list of people to thank, all the cops. Just a, a yeah. quick question. Because he replaced... Um, Oh God! What I, uh, Scott? Yeah, Rick Scott. Um, how many years ago is that now? Wait, was it Rick Scott or was it? Yeah, S- Perry. Who was the? Rick Perry was um, the guy from Texas. Oh, okay. The former Energy Secretary. Yeah, yeah. Scott <laughs> Scott was the was the governor who we saw all those videos of him sitting in a room and telling ex felons they would never vote again. Basically, yes. that was him. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, who legit looks like a snake. Okay, got it. So, yeah. yeah, that... So, how many years ago was that? Uh, I believe twenty nine January of 2019 was when um, DeSantis assumed office as governor. Wow, so. is that recent, huh? Sorry, I just... I was just curious. Yeah, no, you know? yeah. Um, so, uh, DeSantis starts the presser by he uh, running through a list of people to thank, like I said, um, the cops in the room and A.G. Moody. And, you know, this is just reinforcement. You know, they're all, picture them all standing up on a stage. You know, he's being flanked now, by cops. I already know how it looks, and I haven't even seen a picture of this. Yeah, admittedly, it's a lot less creepy than um, the border, the emergency border summit several days before that in Texas that looked like something from out of like 1984 it was really creepy no they they look like they're in a desantis looks like he's in a gymnasium in a ymca or something so you know while he's thanking everyone and he's kind of rambling he sort of does this whole thing off the cuff uh he (laughs) he has to give himself a little subtle pat on the back while thanking law enforcement i want to thank everybody here for their hard work uh particularly over the last year and a half and particularly in a a, a climate that's not always hospitable around the country, although in Florida we've made it very clear that we're standing with the people uh, who are in uniform, who are are working to keep our streets safe and our communities safe, and we're going to continue to do that. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick. You know, he's talking about, you know, Florida is basically backing the badge. Yeah, I mean, that's not surprising to anyone. And I just just want to recap, because things happen pretty fast. You know, it's it's never-ending bullshit. Sorry. When you said that, I just thought well, Ferris Bueller, life moves pretty fast. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I would vote for Ferris Bueller over Ron DeSantis, and I don't like Ferris Bueller, frankly. No. Yeah. I, when I was younger, I thought Cameron. <laughs> Cameron got a real <laughs> deal? Yeah, yeah. Cameron 2024. No. No, God. <laughs> no, no, no. So Bo Burnham inside 2024. <laughs> there, yeah, sure, sure. Unabomber Bo Burnham. I'm so- Bitch, you never even watched the special, okay? You know what? I'm going to judge that book by its cover. That man looks like he lives in a shack in the woods. So, Well, it was made in a guest house. There you go. So, same thing. So, uh, do you recall, Anna, a uh, bill signed into law a couple of months ago in Florida that increased penalties for rioting. You remember this? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar, but I have forgotten all context of it. There's, there's been a rash of shitty laws coming out of Republican-controlled states. It's so difficult states. to keep track, and honestly, every day I get out of bed is a win for me. There you so, go. Well, well, well hopefully... Hope- I'm focusing on about like a foot in front of my face most days. Okay, well, I'll I'll try to do my best not to send you right back under the covers. So basically, uh, DeSantis 
touted this as a as an anti-rioting bill is what he called um all li- oh god just you saying that made me think of like law and order yeah he says that phrase a lot during this half hour ah so see- bitch every single time i tell you i'm so good at this well there's that i mean you are and but to be fair you have the advantage of the gop talking points which are limited and stupid and predictable so yeah but you do call them out correctly so just a quick recap on that bill which was signed in uh april of this year uh it makes quote mob intimidation a crime the fuck is mob intimidation so initially what desantis wanted was to make it illegal to harass people in public generally so you know those videos you see of people rolling up on elected officials in a restaurant and like haranguing them wow so he doesn't want to be called out in a public space when he, he wants to create public safe spaces which would be everywhere so it Yeah, but eventually he settled for uh, making it illegal to be in a group of three or more and using force or the threat of force to change someone's mind. So I don't know what that means exactly, but anyway. Well, you know what they say, three is a crowd. Yeah, well, in this case, well, yeah, all the way to the... uh, to the jail apparently so the bill also created certain civil protections for people who hit protesters with cars yeah. i did okay i this is coming back yeah now. yeah so originally desantis wanted something closer to immunity like what was successfully passed in oklahoma where all a person as far as i know has to say is they were afraid and they can just ram people with their car and in the state of oklahoma they are free from criminal and civil prosecution and civil yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if that... Well, don't walk in Oklahoma, I guess. Uh, the law also allows local officials, this is Florida again, uh, to appeal to the state when a local government moves to defund its own police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So much for small government. Oh, no, 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 no. That's too small. Wait, the Jaguars are like the big team in Florida, right? Jacksonville and... Miami are pretty loud. Oh, Dolphins. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. No, but, actually, I don't really keep up. Maybe. But no, think no about disrespect this. To, okay. to Dolphins and Jaguar fans out if there. If you are a fan of a rival sports team. Okay. And okay. you go to Florida and there is a group of, say, Jaguars fans who are harassing you uh-huh. for liking the other team. Oh, that's interesting. Can I then say that they were protesters harassing me? I it's probably <laughs> maybe. I will say that the actual wording of the law is likely more nuanced than that. Then again, I just say so, someone should try it. I oh so okay. I mean, I guess let's see if we can get ourselves arrested. I don't know about that. You don't want to do that because here's another reason. The next reason is bail is revoked for arrests related to these laws until arraignment. So say you got hooked um, on a, on a Friday night, you, no matter what, they keep your ass in jail until the arraignment Monday morning. Wow. Yeah. So just as a, by the way, but again, this goes back to the sports teams. You, you just don't like sports. <laughs> Not a huge fan of sport. No. Yeah. Um, it also allows uh, local officials to be civilly sued if it is found that they did not do enough to counter violent protests. What that translates into is a mayor say they didn't crack enough skulls to counter like usually leftist uh, protests that maybe turn violent. Those uh, that mayor would be subject to a civil suit. 
Yeah, but what happens if a right wing rally goes violent? Well, well, the language of the of it of the law is obviously you know it's it's neutral in that regard, or it would be struck down immediately. In the in theory, it would be the same thing. But I mean, in context, we know who they're referring to. So shit, you can storm the Capitol if you're a right winger, and you you know, yeah, apparently like yeah, we didn't know it was gonna happen. Yeah, seriously, mm-hmm. yeah. Bitch, so, come on. It's a revolution. That was the best one. The the woman who got pepper sprayed and complained. Oh, I did see that video. That that was schadenfreude for a lot of people, I think. The law is currently being challenged in court by multiple groups claiming that it violates the First and the Eighth Amendments. Yeah, no shit. So um, that's just one of dozens of hit and kill bills. That, that has nothing to do with really the scope of this press conference but i just want to point that out it's like that's what he's doing that's the climate that this is piggybacking off of yeah and and really remember i said that he's taught he's demonstrating strongman tactics it's important to understand that why political figures like desantis and people who are frankly uh, emerging american neo-fascists uh they require like this seemingly unbreakable relationship with law enforcement is because when a demagogue is found out which is to say, you know, people figure out that their populist agenda was bullshit, um, the demagogue will start to lose control, right? And it's not a total one-to-one with DeSantis, but when you compare it, you know, to more prolific authoritarians in the 20th century. But when you're someone who puts forth policies that oppress a significant portion of the electorate, that is to say the poor, people of color, LGBTQ plus community, ex-felons, eventually you will need state violence to keep all of those people in line. So authoritarian stop them from harassing you while you're just trying to eat. I mean, what does the world come to? Where's the civility? So much for the tolerant left, am I right? <laughs> we need a civil conversation that goes on forever that will never, you know, create any type of change. Okay? See? That's what we need. That's that's the thinking I keep you around for. There you go. Yeah. Authoritarians like DeSantis, obviously, but in some cases, they don't necessarily ascend to power through violence, but on a long enough timeline, violence and coercion are the only tools left to maintain power. So that's just, that's all DeSantis is doing here. So he moves on to the heart of the matter because there is a problem in the state of Texas, Anna. And it's one that is so fast that it has developed mostly in the last six months which might have coincided with something else. And I should tell you, Anna, until President Biden screwed this up, Trump had this thing completely handled. We have problems in Florida that are not organic to Florida, that we've been forced to deal with over many years, but particularly over the last six months because of the failure of the Biden administration to secure our southern border and indeed to really do anything constructive about what is going on in the southern border. Uh, The Biden administration ended effective policies that have been implemented by President Donald Trump to curb illegal immigration across the southern border. Uh, They they revoked policies designed to secure our border uh, and keep Americans safe. Uh, They re-implemented catch and release, and they terminated the remain in Mexico policy. Those had all those policies, ending catch and release, remain in Mexico, uh, border security, all that had really, really worked uh, to get a handle on what was going across the southern border. <laughs> okay, drinking first, game every time he says southern border. <laughs> okay, first reactions. I saw, I saw the eyebrows knit. That was, there was a lot there. It's all the same shit. 
It is literally all the same shit. Also, don't most immigrants come to Florida via boat? He's not necessarily... So he is not talking about um, migrants who necessarily physically end up in Florida. He's talking about like a national problem on the border, really. Oh, Um, okay. So... So that and also is that true that most part? immigrants coming from Florida or to Florida arrive on boats? It never gets brought up. Um, it's only the only thing that is discussed is the land border. Okay. Okay. So when he says southern border, he means specifically the land border between the U.S. and Mexico. Correct. Correct. Well, so, in the scope of this of what we're talking about today, that is what he's referring to, yes. So my question is, why the hell do you care when you're not a border state? Oh, he explains it. I mean, first of all, I don't like the use of the word organic at the beginning there. You know, problems that are not organic to Florida. It implies that these problems are from the outside. They're unnatural. They are literally foreign. Yeah. So I don't like that. And with that clip, the, you can see that the implicit claim here is that undocumented persons are related to crime in Florida, and that crime has ticked up since the Biden administration has come to power, you know, in January, right? In six months. Exactly. And and Do they even have statistics on that in six months? Nothing that would be um, meaningful. I mean, that's such a small data set, first of all, you know? But they, they have types of data, limited data that they pull from, and I'm going to show you that later on. Okay. And it's bullshit. But... You know, it's that old trick of nativist language that you must relate immigration inextricably to crime, right? As if crime was was this thing. Again, you know, we would be great. You know, this fashy language. We would be great if it weren't for this outside force that's bringing crime and corruption to our great system. They aren't like you. Right. And... You know, again, he's talking particularly in the last six months, because, you know, if you look farther back than six months, then you Trump and anybody who vociferously defends him kind of has to own that. Right. Because he's saying it's the Biden administration and it's their fault for any crime problems. Thus, logically, it follows during the Trump era. Any crime problems should belong to Trump. Right. Yeah. Also, it's just not true. No, no. Like we we've had a humanitarian crisis at our border for 15 years. Yeah, yeah. It really ticked up in George W. Bush's first term. Um I think that was the high water market since 90 I want to say 98 or 99. It was like 1.6 um apprehend, million apprehension arrests uh at the southern border, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, that was total, but almost all of them were at the southern border. I think the only accurate thing he said was that the Biden administration did end the remain in Mexico policy. Yes, did actually. And that's uncanny timing that he brings that up. So uh, the remain in Mexico policy, by the way, its official name, the Migrant Protection Protocol, if you can believe that. That sounds like a terrible James Bourne movie or Jason Bourne. Whatever. <laughs> I don't watch those movies. Okay. All, all the Bournes. Okay. No. So yeah, uh, that ended officially. The uh, we'll call it the we'll call it the MPP for short, right? Basically, the that protocol ended officially on June first, per a um, a memo that was circulated from uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Okay, and you know it's a funny thing. On that same day, that was when Greg Abbott of Texas declared a state a Texas state of emergency, and um, 
that's what led to his stupid ass border emergency summit and what led to him asking for what he's asking for, what we're about to cover. So uh, prior to the migrant protection uh, protocols, uh, federal law did allow for the type of relocation pending asylum hearings that um, the Remain in Mexico policy kind of made standard. It's just, it was rarely used. Kind of like how Title 42 uh, excluded people at the border for health reasons, right? But it's just, it was never used that way. So all MPP did was it made something the standard procedure that was rarely used, but was always technically on the federal law books. Okay. Okay. Like it wasn't a mastermind of Stephen Miller. He just like kickstarted it into high gear. Something like that. It was a policy decision using law that did exist. Right. Okay. So, you know, which is why I think it's funny when DeSantis says it was quote unquote working. Now, of course, he doesn't say how it was working or what metric he uses to measure its success. So let's go to somebody who might know better. So the nonprofit physician, uh, f- excuse me, the nonprofit physicians, physician, yeah. physician, <laughs> now I can't say it. Physicians. Physicians. <laughs> the, I, I, I know words. It's fine. You didn't major in English either. So, um, yeah, PHR for short. <laughs> Physicians for Human Rights, uh, PHR, is a nonprofit that works on humanitarian issues all over the world, right? They actually shared the 97 Nobel Peace Prize for their work in the international campaign to ban landmines. So these guys are legit. Oh. Yeah, they're the real thing. God, I just, I think of landmines in terms of like World War Two. This that like, per, yeah, that, that's that's like my only association with like when I think of landmines. But it's I mean I guess I just yeah I mean they didn't just stop with World War Two. Oh, not at all. In fact, yeah. this work was for a campaign in Cambodia. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And I mean even today in certain parts of um, France, I think they're still finding old landmines from World War II. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think the Cambodia ones come from the Vietnam War, if that I'm not mistaken. That makes sense. Uh, possibly some other imperial battles with French. Again, because uh, like that, that's what I think of. But yeah, like obviously they didn't, people weren't like, oh, well, that's it for landmines, you know? Right, exactly. They magically don't exist. So uh, PHR did a, a sort of a study on uh, the effects of uh, the migrant uh, protection protocol, and they published it in January of this year. So consider uh, success in terms of, let's say, uh, relief rate. That is to say, um, asylum seekers who receive asylum or, you know, some other type of relief, okay? Because that's really what we're talking about here with, with uh, re- Remain in Mexico, right? It's people who arrive here instead of being allowed to stay physically in the U.S., for those of you listening who don't know, um, and they're from, say, Central America, they are then physically relocated to Mexico pending their hearing. So what does the relief rate look like for that compared to, you know, 2018 and before? Well, in fiscal year 2018, the relief rate for asylum seekers prior to remain in Mexico being put in place was 35%. Now, that ain't great. Okay, but that was what the like number. A third. Yeah, that's what the number was. Okay, um, from the beginning of Remain in Mexico to January of 2021, those enrolled in the program had a relief rate of you want to guess eight one what one percent. Now, now hold on. 
So we have to factor a few things in to be clear. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, what are the numbers on that? Because that seems ridiculously low. So even without de-aggregating, we have to, to be fair, we have to allow for a few things. The first of all, you have to factor in uh, COVID closures. Okay. So you got, I got to give them that. Uh, But the program did exist for a year prior to COVID shutting everything down. You know, and one could say, one could argue that traditionally it always took longer than a year, MPP or not, uh, to settle or get some type of relief or disposition on your case. But I think that sort of highlight highlights um, a bigger problem that's existed for many years when it comes to asylum seekers. I mean, you've said yourself, it can take years and years and multiple hearings to like seek asylum. And even it, then your disposition is, might not even be something you want. Yeah, it's very difficult to immigrate into the United States. Yeah. And, um, you know, any attempt to paint this as a fault of one party or another or one administration or another, that's just misdirection. Um, And it's done in the name of fear mongering. You know, I mean, all are accountable, but I suppose I can make the argument that some have a larger share of the blame. So another thing problem with uh, MPP enrollees is they had limited access to attorneys and the cost of facilitating court hearings for these people was substantial. And one of the main selling points of initiating the Remain in Mexico policy was efficiency. However, uh, now I'm going to quote from Mayorkas's uh, June 1st memo regarding this very thing. Quote, It is certainly true that some removal proceedings conducted pursuant to MPP were completed more expeditiously than is typical for non-detained cases. But this came with certain significant drawbacks that are cause for concern. The focus on speed was not always matched with sufficient efforts to ensure that conditions in Mexico enabled migrants to attend their immigration proceedings. Makes sense. Right? In particular, the high percentage of cases completed through the entry of in absentia removal orders. 44% based on DHS data raises questions for me about the design and operation of the program, whether the process provided enrollees an adequate opportunity to appear for proceedings to present their claims for relief and whether conditions faced by some MPP enrollees in Mexico, including lack of stable access to housing, income and safety resulted in the abandonment of potentially meritorious protection claims. I guarantee you it did. That was me talking, um, going back to quoting, I'm also mindful of the fact that rather than helping to clear asylum backlogs over the course of the program, backlogs increased both for the USCIS asylum offices and EOIR. Those are the offices that handle the claims. So not only did it result in like, you know, horrible conditions for people in Mexico, a country that from which they are not from, number one, uh, but it didn't even do the thing that it was supposed to do, which was make things, quote unquote, efficient. You know, so. Yeah, how could it? Because you're literally trying to negotiate people across a border. Mm -hmm. As for uh, DeSantis's comments on catch and release, this refers to a practice of releasing uh, releasing migrants and asylum seekers pending a hearing, either through their own recognizance or some type of supervision, right? So this is a favorite of the GOP, especially Trump, to lay at the feet of the Democrats as some type of like policy failure, right? Well, they have dubbed it catch and release. That's not the actual term of it. And also, I just don't like how it sort of brings to mind fishing yeah yeah like dehumanizing they're, they're human yeah. beings mm-hmm. not what are fish ick not ick, human ick, anyway ick, i forget what they're yeah. called but i forget like the genus name yeah yeah I, I guarantee you none of them know the genus name they just know how to be fascist assholes also so, um i mean something that you know the the memo didn't bring up is there's also been a tremendous amount of kidnappings 
oh, at yeah. the border in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, that PHR, it actually does focus on that too, the conditions. Uh, the, unfortunately, they're working on a very limited data set. I mean, maybe like 100 affidavits. Yeah, I mean, there's probably only so many people who want to talk to you. Right, for obvious reasons. Yeah. So um, getting back to the catch and release accusations, um, or what is known as catch and release, basically, uh, according to a, a fact check from the Washington Post of uh, comments made by uh, Trump, I think in either 2018 or 2019, um, no single party or administration can really be blamed for this, like we were saying earlier. Um, the reality is there was a spike in immigration patterns, as I said before, uh, that started to show itself during the uh, George W. Bush administration. People were apprehended and released simply because we were Basically, we were caught flat-footed. We didn't have the physical space to house all these people, even if we wanted to. Well, and this is like when ICE was established. That was part. That was post um, 9/11, right? Ish. That was, yeah, that was yeah. one of the the major shakeups, and mm -hmm. the government was mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. establishing ICE. I, I don't know. It, it could have been that they were working on creating ICE pre 9/11 and just kicked it into high gear afterwards, or it was created after 9/11. But in any case, the checks certainly got signed. And the money started really rolling in after 9-11, to be sure. So, Even though they didn't enter the country from the southern border, but whatever. <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, technically, they're responsible for all entry into the U.S., but most yeah, of them are not imagine, in Canada. I was about to say, I can't imagine can like Canadians are super wanting to come over and pay too much for, you know prescription medication well actually you know fun fact there's been um good amount of smuggling in the last couple of years from the u.s into canada in terms of um certain types of uh, narcotics uh, and weapons it makes so, sense not to mention all the guns that get transported into mexico but from the u.s exactly yeah, yeah. So DeSantis does not talk about guns going into Mexico, but he does go on and he cherry picks uh, crimes committed by undocumented persons. This has an impact nationwide. I mean, for example, uh, in May, we had in Martin County, 82-year-old woman raped by a criminal illegal alien, 82 years old. I mean, how disgusting. This guy had been arrested. ICE had never, was not willing to take him and remove him. And so he ends up uh, committing uh, a dastardly act against an, an elderly resident in Martin County. Yeah. So it sounds like his beef is with ICE. Yes. And just for the record, you heard him mention that these, this suspect uh, was previously arrested, right? Yeah. He was arrested in 2019 in Florida. Who was the president in 2019? Trump. Who was the governor in Florida in 2019? DeSantis. And yes, he was previously arrested, and it was for a sex-related crime. It got downgraded to a misdemeanor. He served 300 days, I believe, in lockup. What was the crime? Uh, indecent exposure in a public park. Okay. They believe that he was doing it in view of children, but they weren't able to locate the children involved after his arrest. Okay. So they had to drop to a misdemeanor. So I just want to be clear on one thing. Based on news reports, uh, the person arrested in this case was tied to the crime based on DNA evidence. Okay. Uh, the suspect had prior arrests for sex-related offenses, uh, including the 2019 arrest I just went over. Um, that case, like I said, was dropped to a misdemeanor, and he was sentenced to 300 days. Um, the direct and circumstantial evidence in this case is pretty goddamn strong. Okay. If 
if you were to believe the news reports, this is they probably arrested the right guy in this case. Okay. So to be clear about that. But what DeSantis is doing here is disgusting. Um, he's using a crime victim as a prop. And he's invoking a we must defend women from outsiders kind of line of thought here. It sort of makes me think of birth of a nation, you know, if I'm being honest here. Uh, honestly, that's a very common tactic mm-hmm. that is used. Um, and you hear it a lot in terms of like war related imagery and that kind of thing. Like the sons must protect the motherland. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we get we get more into the war rhetoric a little bit towards the end here. Again, it's a common refrain used in many different cultures. Yeah. And, and you know, it's you want to know a fun fact about DeSantis, by the way, speaking of women. Um, while he was a member of Congress in 2013, he voted against the 2013 reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. Yeah, because he doesn't care. Yeah. Unless they're politically convenient. Well, in this case, it was politically convenient because, you know, the person who originally brought that one along with a co-sponsor in 94, Joe Biden. Ah. So you you get it. Yeah, honestly, (laughs) um, Joe Biden's been a huge champion like, I wouldn't say like a champion. I don't want to use the word champion. Advocate? Yes, there. that's a much better word. He has been a huge advocate about violence against women and, you know, against sexual assault and all of that kind of stuff. That has been a through line basically as long as he's been a politician. Well, I, mean, he, least, I mean, he hasn't changed his tune on that. Sure, sure. And, and you know, we can, we can go all day about bullshit he has done you know oh, we, we yeah can. i'm not saying yeah. that i like biden i'm just saying he is very consistent in this specific point point. Mm-hmm. and and the violence against women act is was never wasn't really considered like political per se which is to say people didn't really debate it um until 2013 and you know some members of uh congress mostly gop they opposed the reauthorization at that point under the auspices of like inefficiency like grant or, or possible fraud, which is say sometimes grant recipients under the program, maybe were misusing their funds, that type of thing. Right. But that's on the recipient, not the program itself. First of all. Yeah. It seems like you need to screen your applicants better. Yeah. And over the years, other uh, complaints come from like NRA based propaganda, like the closing of the boyfriend loophole in 2019 and um, giving tribal courts more power, criminal jurisdiction over non uh, tribal members for which, ob- yeah. <laughs> right for obvious reasons right i so. mean that's i mean i hate to say it but that's people know that mm-hmm. and so there yeah. are you know non uh tribal c- citizens who go onto tribal lands to commit crimes against indigenous women specifically yes. yeah yeah that that is a thing yeah and so for the party of law and, and order closing the boyfriend loophole literally saves lives mm-hmm. yep yeah uh, but you know it was tied to uh guns so the NRA was like, this is, you know, I was like, we're you, all for... Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Continue. I'm. Do you want to say what the boyfriend loophole is? No, go, by all means, take us through it. Oh, no. I was just saying that um, from what my understanding is, is the boyfriend loophole, um, if you commit a violent act against, say, a spouse, your guns can be taken away by law enforcement. That's correct. However... If you are a boyfriend, even if you are cohabitating, your guns will not be taken away. Correct. And so many times there have been, um, I know that there are, you know, like same sex couples, non-binary couples, you know, trans couples, all that kind of thing. But 
from what my limited understanding is, because again, I haven't looked at like the victim data, but from my understanding, um, overwhelmingly this affects women in relationships with men. And um, so even though like a boyfriend that you are cohabitating with has a history of violence against you, um, his guns won't be taken away. Basically, yes, the earliest, you, you nailed it. Earliest version of the law specified spouses, and this expanded it to include, you know, basically domestic partners or romantic partners in general. See, that's a way simpler way of saying it. But yeah, that's uh, that's DeSantis, um, just as a just as a by the way, just kind of further demonstrating so his disingenuousness. He voted uh, against it in 2013 correct. because of budgetary reasons. He, he, I couldn't nail down an actual statement from his office from back then. He actually got slammed with that when he was running for governor. And I didn't really see any responses from that point either. I know because people forget and move on. They were probably pretty weak responses, whatever they were. In, in any case, it wasn't enough. Yeah, getting back to the case and away from how DeSantis is a piece of shit who voted against the Violence Against Women Act. Um, just another point here. Uh, the suspect uh, reportedly, right, entered the country several years ago as an unaccompanied minor seeking asylum, which is to say he did not enter the country illegally. Okay. Okay. I believe he's originally from Guatemala. The process was never completed. Um, I don't know what his status was at the time of this crime. And honestly, I don't give a shit. Okay, I mean, if he's guilty of what he, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, don't care. I guess you know, when I, someone commits a crime, I don't ask, oh, what's their citizenship status? I ask, you know, what's the evidence? Did they do it? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And and based on reports I've read, the evidence is pretty strong that he did it. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if he did it, fuck him. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah, no he, sympathies for me. Mm-mm. You're right, but by by focusing it through the lens of what his immigration status was. Again, you're doing you're reinforcing that false narrative that ties crime to, to immigration. Yeah. So I so that's why my answer is not that I don't give a shit whether he did it. I very much care if he did it. I don't give a shit what his status was. If he was a natural born citizen, would that make it any better or less? Well then he wouldn't have been brought up in this press conference. Yeah, okay? you better believe it. So DeSantis, you know, he's framing this as something it isn't for propaganda purposes. And just a few more numbers for perspective in this case, right? There is no, as we've discussed previously, there's no federal crime database that breaks down crime um, along citizen status lines. But there... Hmm? Oh, um, yeah. Which episode did we break that down in? It was probably one having to do with Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Was it the Abbott one? Probably. Well, if you're interested in that, check out our, our nice, Abbott episode. Nice, nice pivot. Definitely check out that back catalog. All right. Recommend it to all your friends. But there is, um, I will, here's an interesting thing. While there is no federal crime database that compiles um, criminal immigration status, there actually is one state. You want to guess which one? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling either Texas or Florida. Texas. Okay. Do you want to guess how the numbers play out in terms of likelihood of offending if you're an uh, undocumented person versus natural Low. citizen? Yeah. So this is this is actually kind of fun. So ABC News actually wrote about this in January of 2019. Okay, and they reference a breakdown of Texas state uh, crime numbers from 2015 because you know there's always going to be a delay with 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 data. There's always years delays. Yeah. This is the best part. Keep in mind that this breakdown was done by a member of the Cato Institute. And 
an ostensibly, quote, libertarian think tank founded by none other than Charles Koch. Just keep that in mind, okay? Me thinks he has a Koch problem. (laughs) That's a joke that's been made a million times. I still like it. Uh, But this is something that they probably won't find so funny. And again, remember, this is from the Cato Institute. Okay, this is quoting from ABC News. Undocumented immigrants make up just over 6% of the state's... Po- this is Texas again. Uh, Texas per- in 2015. Correct. Okay. Uh, but it's a, it's about as an accurate picture as we're going to get. Okay. So undocumented immigrants make up just over 6% of the state's population. Um, legal immigrants make up over 10%, and native-born Americans make up over 80%, according to the most recent American Community Survey data and the Center for Migration Studies. Now... Meanwhile, undocumented immigrants were convicted of 5.9% of all homicides in Texas. Legal immigrants were convicted of 3.8% of homicides. And native-born Americans were convicted of about 90% of all homicides in Texas, according to an analysis of Texas state data from that year. And End quote. So, in other words... Uh, Native-born Americans appear to be the only group that's overrepresented according to these numbers. Funny how that works. Yeah, I took a look at that uh, Cato Institute um, study. A guy's last name, Narashte. I'm really, I'm probably not. How do you spell it? N-O-W-R-A-S-T-E-H. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. I don't have it. I'm sorry I'm butchering your name, dude, but you work for the Cato Institute, so whatever. We'll call it even. Yeah, so I I, I took a look at that, actually. I'll link that one in the show notes, too. They they pretty much can't come up with a real excuse for it. All they can say is they have a limited data set because Texas is the only state that really does this. There was another multi-decade study that came out of another state. I I can't even remember what it was. I'll take another look. Um, From, like, the seventies all the way to like 2018. Whoa. But so, which implied that, uh, based on prison data, I want to say either Arizona or New Mexico, uh, prison data implied that undocumented persons are more likely to commit crime in certain areas. But a lot of people, including this Cato Institute guy actually said that the study was flawed. So from the outset, from the seventies, it was flawed, like onward. Well, no, his use of no, 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 no. He, it's not like they were sitting there year after year. They compiled data from that far back. In, from prisons. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. So they're saying that their data set... The methodology and, that they... Or how they crunched the numbers was incorrect. Correct. They, okay. didn't, they didn't science good. No okay. good science. So, um, yeah. So DeSantis moves on. All right. So that's that's uh, that's the first one. The second one is he mentions a recent drug bust, and he thinks that the weight of the seized narcotics is somehow shocking. And... Uh, he offers anecdotal evidence of acceleration in crime, but only in the last six months. In June, FDLE agents arrested four criminal aliens as part of a drug sting. They're moving 25 pounds of methamphetamine. They were arrested. When they were arrested, they shot an agent. Now, the agent survived, but just think about what's going on. And I can tell you, you talk to some of these sheriffs, particularly North Florida sheriffs in Northwest Florida, who are dealing with the meth problem uh, that we're seeing that is really, really ravaging communities, particularly in the northern part of our state. That meth, if you go back 10, 20 years ago, you find these places where they'd be cooking this stuff up locally. That's not what's happening now. It's almost all coming across the southern border. And it's been accelerating for the last six months, and it's deepening the problems that we're having in terms of getting a handle on this in our own communities here in the state of Florida. 
<laughs> What's become of us? We don't even make our own meth anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I didn't think of that. He is framing that, right? It's like, what happened to good old American meth, you know? Yeah, I don't mean to make light of, you know, meth or meth addiction or anything like that, but it's just the way he phrased it. It was like, really, dude? No, because this guy doesn't give a shit about people who are addicted to methamphetamine. He gives a shit about scoring political points off of their pain. And by the way, he'd probably throw all of them in prison anyway. So yeah. So yeah, no, 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 no. We're not, we are not disparaging people who have a medical condition that is addiction to narcotics. We're simply pointing out that DeSantis is an asshole. No, and meth is dangerous, man. Right? Cooking meth, taking meth, it's, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, I know everyone thought that Breaking Bad was cool, but... Yeah, and people were like, unfor- they were like, well, you were saying this earlier, like like fans of the show were identifying with Walter White and the sh- weren't the showrunners like, no, you're not supposed to do that? Yeah, it, all of these people identifying with like the anti-hero and the writers are like, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Suddenly you-, you get a hat and you think you're Heisenberg. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like your parents pay your cell phone bill. Get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, DeSantis at least probably pays his own cell phone bill. No, the taxpayers pay his cell phone bill, come to think of it. Anyway. Wow. I mean, I guess because yeah. he gets a salary, he right? Does, he does get a salary. So De- Interesting. Right? Maybe AT&T can cancel DeSantis. So <laughs> DeSantis is, again, cherry picking. And... You know, to be clear, we kind of talked about this a little bit in jest, but, you know, I'm not going to dispute that meth is being mass produced outside the U.S. and being smuggled in. I know it. We all know it. Isn't it also coming from Canada? Um, I am not 100% on that. I will. So I'm going to stipulate. Or was it heroin from Canada? There was heroin. I mean, there's there. And for a little while, fentanyl pills and powder coming in from China as well, uh, which is actually why the U.S. Postal Inspector Service gets a big gold star for their enforcement. They actually crack down on that a lot, which, by the way, is a reason why U.S. Postal Service is important because FedEx can't do that. But anyways. Um, yes, yeah, save the USPS. Yes. Give, give them money. The I know you don't send letters anymore, but buy some stamps. They arrested Steve Bannon, the true heroes. <laughs> they protect what you lick. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know who doesn't protect what you lick? Ron DeSantis. <laughs> no, he's, he's a, yeah, that was an expert pivot right there. <laughs> so... Yeah, DeSantis, you know, he's talking about this thing that we all know. You know, meth is being mass-produced outside the country. It is being smuggled in. A substantial portion of it is coming in through the, the land border. I'll, I'll stipulate to all that, okay? But why is it coming in, right? Yeah. Why, why is there a demand, Ron? Where did meth addiction start, Ron? Was addiction imported, Ron? No. Law enforcement— Oh, God, if— it's only a matter of time before they start arguing that. Christ. Law enforcement crushed the bulk of major domestic meth operations in the late aughts, uh, but we did nothing on a meaningful level to deal with drug addiction or the issues that correlate with drug addiction, like lack of access to mental health care, lack of access to regular health care, poverty, everything else you know that, that leads to this type of thing. So... Having said that, right, uh, the operation that DeSantis is referring to, it was in part an undercover op, right? So it's not like everybody was showing up like in full uh, uniform and people just took shots at him, right? Maybe they were. But the uh, there was also a suspect who was shot and was in, is in critical condition at the time of the, the uh, arrest. Um, and, you know, 
By the way, 25 pounds is an indicator of increased drug activity. No, it's actually not a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if only there was a record of massive drug busts that occurred in the U.S. prior to the Biden administration. Oh, wait. What do I have here? October 2020, DEA announces biggest meth bust in U.S. history in Southern California. 2,200 pounds of meth along with 893 pounds of coke, 13 pounds of heroin. Part of Operation Crystal Shield that occurred at stash houses uh, in and around Riverside County. Didn't they also get a buttload of guns? Uh, I don't know about that one. Uh, but Oh, I, no, there was one before that mm -hmm. where they got like a ridiculous amount of guns that they raided from like a mansion or something. Nice, nice. Props to, I, hey, I'm all about getting guns off the street. No, yeah, no, it was ridiculous. We're talking about like, uh, I need to look it up. Okay. But yeah, it was like so many guns. I remember that. Yeah. In that same month, of October 2020, second largest meth bust in history announced at the Ote Mesa facility in Southern California. 3,100 pounds of meth, fentanyl powder, pills, and heroin. Oh, it looks like Florida's meth problem is it's like a little baby problem yeah. compared to what we're pulling in in Southern California. Almost like I don't understand why they're inserting themselves into this, you know, other than to score political points. But it's to remain relevant. Indeed. Hashtag relevant. By the way, fun fact about the second uh, largest meth bus in history. You want to know where those drugs were seized? Out of a tractor trailer at a cargo border crossing, which is where almost all the seized drugs are found. And human trafficking. Yes, yes, yes. So considering that overdoses spiked during the pandemic, right, it's safe to say that Trump's border security strategy had little positive effect uh, on public safety in this regard, right? So DeSantis, you know, he doesn't give a shit about that. He goes on and he drones on about a lawsuit against the Biden administration uh, for reprioritizing ICE enforcement. Uh, that suit uh, was denied and it's currently on appeal um, after a judge found that the memo that they were um, disputing uh, was not subject to judicial review because it outlined interim policies and was within scope of DHS authority and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was in, looks like May 2019. This is from the LA Times. Mystery surrounds 1,000 guns seized at Los Angeles mansion connected to Getty family. Yeah, I'll send this to you. Damn, yeah, that's a lot of guns. Yeah, that's why it that's why it blew my mind when that's that's why I still remember it like two years later. It was just an insane thing that happened. The Gettys are they like are they like the people with all the museums and stuff or museums named after them like Getty Museum or am I just showing my ignorance here? Mm, that's how I know them, but it could be a different family. I actually don't know. I doubt it. It'd be like a different Rothschild or a different you know Carnegie. Unlikely. Okay, yeah, I'll check that out later. So, yeah, DeSantis, he finally gets to the point, by the way. Um, he gathered all these cops and reporters in a room to announce that he will send, quote-unquote, aid to Texas and Arizona to respond to a, quote-unquote, crisis. So why are we talking about this here in Florida? We're 1,000 thousand miles plus from, from the southern border. Good question. Um, well, I told you that it does affect the state of Florida. It affects our ability to protect our communities from drugs. It obviously increases uh, the possibility that we have recidivism in our community. But specifically, uh, there was a letter that was recently sent by the governors of Texas and Arizona uh, seeking mutual aid, which we 
do all the time in, in interest of emergency. These states have sent Florida support when we've responded to emergencies here in our state, and they wanted support so that they could do what the federal government is either unwilling or unable to do. Yeah, okay, the man. And protect the people, not just of their states, but of the entire country because of the nationwide impact that has. And so today, we're here to announce that the state of Florida is answering the call. They're answering the call. <laughs> what do you think about that, Anna? Them answering the call. Sorry, I started laughing as soon as he said, <laughs> seeking mutual aid. This sounds like an after dark thing. You I know, you like, know, you know, those, um, like a, things that you would put in like the the newspaper, like way back in the day, like seeking, like man seeking woman or something like that. Like the, the person, personal ad. Are you saying that Greg Abbott is, is asking if, if Ron DeSantis likes pina coladas? Wow. That's getting caught in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I, people never know. People forget that, 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 song is specifically about adultery <laughs> see that's a that's a good topic maybe we should do a podcast about just pop culture stuff like that let us know sorry, your thoughts again i don't because it's not funny what they're doing it literally <laughs> makes no sense but i and i don't know why my mind went there but as soon as he said like seeking mutual aid i was like oh no i uh, yeah yeah well the reality is not nearly that sexy though maybe it should be I mean, all this is, is virtue signaling. Yeah. Yes. Right-wing virtue signaling. And the virtue is um, xenophobia. So (laughs) Immigrants be scary. Right? The aid and support DeSantis is referring to between states is facilitated through something called EMAC, or the Emergency Management Assistance Compact. Basically, uh, EMAC is a way to streamline aid between states, and it's traditionally used during times of natural disaster. Right? Which makes sense. Yeah, think hurricanes, right? Fire. Exactly. No, and, and it's it's really important, actually, because of funding problems and also licenses. So, like, say um, you send first responders from Texas to Louisiana. Those first responders are 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 licensed to work in yeah, one it's, state. Yeah, it's very location yes, specific. Exactly. So, like, for legal purposes, for liability purposes, for funding yeah, it's purposes. It's a huge boon in terms of protection for first responders. Very. It's a very good program that is being abused in this case. And yeah. so you remember what I told you, that Greg Abbott declared a quote-unquote state of emergency? He had to do that. You get it now? They're all in the same chat room. Exactly. <laughs> They're all in the same Reddit thread. So the call came from inside the house. (laughs) So, yeah, Texas, specifically Greg Abbott, is looking for outside assistance, I believe, to supplement Operation Lone Star. (laughs) Or or, I'm sorry, I can't. (laughs) I feel like that's like a that, that would be a great name for a bar, by the way. Operation Lone Star. I feel like you get a weird clientele in there, man. As long as hey, their money spends. It's okay. So basically, I mean, uh, well, maybe they have confet- crazy money does spend. Maybe have they've like Montana militia money. I don't know. Oof. So basically, Texas is diverting state. And for those of you who don't know, Operation Lone Star, uh, Texas has been diverting state and local law enforcement to the border to conduct operations in service of securing the southern border or some bullshit like that. And a fun fact, actually, uh, about Operation Lone Star and and 
Governor Abbott. Um, he's even though he's been adamant about, oh, Texas will go it alone and we'll do it ourselves and we're so great and we'll we'll take care of everything. He's also instructed local agencies to send itemized cost lists to his office because he's going to submit them to the federal government for reimbursement. So he's actually going to send the feds a bill for activities no one asked him to do. I don't, maybe he'll get the money. I don't know how this works. Texas has always gotten more federal funding than they've ever sent to the government. Yeah. Also, that whole like, oh, everyone's coming to Texas. A big share of the people coming to Texas, which is the response, which is why they're getting more congressional power. Most of those people are persons of color, which is why, if you want to know why they're um, trying to suppress the vote so hard, well, that's why because they're trying to thread that needle. Yeah. For all those who don't think voting is important, why do you think? there are people out there spending all of this time, energy, and money trying to make it so significant portions of the population cannot vote. And that goes all the way back to the end of the fucking Civil War. Yeah. So please vote and get out there in phone bank and... Vote in local elections. Yes, for for God's sake. Drive people to the polls. Do whatever you need to do. Do mail-in voting. Support the USVS. For Christ's sake. So, yeah. Uh, DeSantis goes on, and you can tell he's kind of winging it here. He's almost rambling about how Florida supports law enforcement. He's ringing that bell again. Um, How cities that, quote, turn their backs on law enforcement are seeing a spike in crime. All cities are seeing a spike in crime for the most part. Uh, but if you we've want, we've all been inside for a year. Well, I mean, if you want to get technical about it, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Fresno, California, both have Republican mayors and both have a serious spike in crime right now. So, I mean, if you want to like get nitpicky about it, um, in the middle of the rambling, however, DeSantis claims that the this problem that they have is the result of intentional decisions. It's sad that we have to be doing this because when you're when you deal with stuff. There's things that just will happen, and you got to put out fires. And there's no way an executive, whether it's as a county, a state, or even uh, the federal level, uh, can, can not have things happen that you have to respond to. I think the sad thing about the reason why we're here today is because this was a created crisis through bad policies. These were deliberate policies uh, that had taken policies that were in effect prior to January Say 20th policy that again. were working going in a different direction, and then really doing nothing to respond in an effective way when it's clear after months and months of this that the policy is utterly failing. Ah, I said policy again. I love how specific he's being. Right? It's not that he uses general language at all. It's just so (laughs) specific. It's so much information he's like telling me right now that I'm just like, damn, maybe I'm convinced. Yeah, because, you know, the policies were working because when you... When you're in a glass house and you got to put out a fire. And you know know what? When stuff happens, you just got to do stuff to make sure that that stuff is stuff. You know, because a rolling rock is worth two in the bush. He really, I mean, he was, he was kind of all over the place there. So. I think he was going off script at that. Oh, no, he really was. I mean, I, I watched the video of this. He was just, he was just winging it. And for winging it, he actually does okay. But dude, you're the governor and this is serious business. Why are you winging it? So well, they've always been anti-intellectual. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, DeSantis, you know, he's basically reiterating that, you know, whatever's going on at the border is due directly to the Biden administration's revocation of Trump era policies. We already talked about that. Um, I will say one thing. I do partially agree with a part of what he said, but not for the same reasons. So was it a specific part? 
Well, so da, he, da, da. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <sighs> Roll snare. I need a I need a soundboard. I bet I can get it on the set. No, I won't do that. So <laughs> now the, you know the party says about you know Biden administration revoking Trump era policies and then not doing anything meaningful to deal with it that is true i am so i'm i I agree with the statement but what he's getting at is like i don't agree with the premise like that things were working before yeah no no yeah no everyone collectively is to blame for this which is to say this is the result of many many things the result of you know american imperialism and climate change and fuckery by far-right uh, politics and nativist language and white supremacy and the border patrol all the way back to like 1924. You know, I, it to it, like it's a waste of time to blame everything on any one person. This is a this is this is a problem that we face as a nation. So, but that's not what he meant. He almost got it right. So, believe it or not, DeSantis doesn't talk for the entire time. Uh, he yields the mic to others in attendance, starting with Attorney General Ashley Moody. And I gotta say, this one, uh, gets kind of dear leader. Um, Oh. Yeah, shit gets weird here. And this, this, like, legit worries me. Just listen to how she, listen to what she's saying, but also notice that tone and the shaking in her voice. And thank you for being here today to highlight what I believe is a bold step again, by our Florida governor to protect Floridians. Make no mistake, when the Biden administration began, it took a wrecking ball to the infrastructure controlling immigration in our southern border. And it left the devastation for the states to deal with, with no plan, no strategy, no enforcement action in place. And here you have a governor who is saying, we'll step up to protect Floridians. This is what real leadership looks like. Leadership is not sending someone down there to beg people not to come. That is not leadership. Look behind me. This is strategic enforcement action. Those are all cops. As all of us in law enforcement knows it to be. When you have chaos versus order, crime versus safety, you develop strategic enforcement accents and you bring peace and protection to your people. That's what a leader does. That last part really worries me. I do not like the last sound of that. Yeah. And I do not support calling women crazy or emotional, but at one point it sounded like she was about to cry. And I'm like, take a deep breath and calm down a little. Like... And I wanted to walk that line. I wanted to ask you about that. Like, because it, it I heard that and I've listened to no, it. No, ma- it legit sounded like she was about to cry and it was weird. Because, it was uncomfortable. Right. Because I, that's how, that's where my mind went. Uh, initially I was like, Jesus Christ, is this woman okay? And then I thought to myself, like, am I being unfair here? Am I, am I picking on this person because she's a woman? No. And that's not my intent with this either. If a man had gone up there and been like, our dear leader behind me. Like, you're just like, dude, calm down. Okay. I just, I just wanted a second opinion on that one. And again, I'm not picking out her because we are ideologically opposed. Obviously. You you mean you're progressive and she's batshit. Well, I I didn't say that. Okay. That's not, um, that's not fair. I'm overdoing it there. Okay. Yeah. No, it was, um, it was uncomfortable 
And it was emotional. Yeah. And that last part, this, you protect your people. That's what a leader does. Yeah. That is some straight up Mussolini shit right there. Yeah. Okay. And you see what she did there? She, she said everything but good versus evil. She got right up to the line and didn't actually say it. Order versus chaos and all that shit. It's an existential goddamn threat from outside. And we have a man, this man, and his other sub men who will stop it, you know? And they're all cops, you know? Were they... I have a question, because I haven't seen, yeah, like, yeah. The, the press conference or mm-hmm. anything. Are they all white? Um, Or extremely pale in complexion. Like, what percentage of all the people on that stage what percent rough percentage so i'd say i'd say maybe a dozen men on that stage and if i had to take a shot at it i'd say 10 of them at least were definitely caucasian to my eyes the other two may have been caucasian with a tan or very light complected uh latinx people all was men. She, was she the only one, the only woman up there that I could see in the camera angle? Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, and and, and <laughs> you'll we'll be hearing from one of the sheriffs in a second here. Well, of course, they're not just background dressing. No, no, no. They definitely got some fashy shit to say. So, you know, we could say that that rambling was just really in service to uh, an increasingly likely presidential run for DeSantis. Yeah, no, again, like, I just, I found it uncomfortable. Yeah, and this type... And I would have said that if it were, like, Kamala Harris getting, like, saying that kind of stuff. Like, I would have been, like, like... Ugh. Yeah, it's a personalist thing. A, a, a form of government, you know, in devotion of the one, right? The cult of personality. I mean, you know, I might be going it a little was, too far with that, but... It was the fact that she was getting so emotional over the words she was saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and that type of rhetoric is really scary. Even if she was deadpan, how old is she? Oh, ooh, ooh you got me there. I should have checked. Hold on, let's. Because she she sounds young. We are googling right now. She is forty six. Oh, weird. She sounded way younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. She, Florida. Yeah, she became the AG same year that uh, DeSantis became governor. So she she is his guy in in political parlance. So, yeah, uh, Moody continues with the uh, the dear leader stuff, and um, then she tries to throw some scary-ass numbers at you and talks about ICE detainers and then talks about something called Operation Talon. I can tell you, just in these short few months that this administration has been in charge, we have seen a 230% increase in fentanyl seizures, enough to kill almost half of the American population. Okay, I'm going to pause there. <laughs> <laughs> they so it, with seizures cops love doing this they always they, they'll give you the the pounds of of product that was confiscated right and then they'll they'll give you a, like that could kill this many people right yeah they, this is just i don't know why they do it it's for mass it's for maximum effect i know what they do it but so i think she's severely underestimating the amount of americans who take uh substances yeah well that that so that <laughs> so regarding that okay so there's a she makes a couple of claims here so and she's either intentionally misleading or lying or both or whatever um well it's scary and you need to be scared so starting uh with her first scary comment right 230 percent increase in fentanyl seizures okay 
Um, I thought she was going to say 230% increase in crime. No. And no, I was no. going to start laughing. But then she said fentanyl. And I'm like, oh, well, that is a problem. Right. And it is. So that claim is technically true, but it's not really what she says it is or what she's leading you to believe. Is she implying that there's been a 230% increase in the last six months? So the 230% increase is actually 233% to be technical. Um, and it refers to a comparison of fentanyl seizures at the Southwest zone between March, 2020 and March, 2021. Okay, so we were all stuck inside then. I, I get, I get that. So it was two thousand ninety-eight pounds, right, versus six hundred and thirty-nine pounds in the same time period last year. Okay, we can't compare anything to twenty twenty, and I'm sick that people are doing this because it's just like <laughs> that was such a terrible time. Yeah, here's the fun part: the number of seizure events, which is to say, the actual events where drugs are seized, that those numbers stayed basically the same, which means that the number of seizures were the same. It's just more product was found on average each time. Oh, interesting. Okay? So okay. bigger bigger shipments, all right? So, so that, the amount of contacts, law enforcement contacts were the same. It's just the amount increased. The amount of seizures were, ba seizure events were basically the same, but the product seized what did increase. Okay, yes. got it. Now, um, this is something that GOP hawks jumped on immediately, okay? And immigration advocates actually countered this, pointing out that most seizures occur, number one, at points of entry, right? So in tr in cars, tractor Wait, trailers. Wait, so she's talking about the stuff at the border. Correct. Specifically the Southwest sector. Oh, because I thought she was talking about Florida specifically. She's no. talking about, okay, we're on the Mexico border now. Correct. No, she never points, she never makes that distinction either. She No, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. It has nothing to do with Florida. So, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because how the hell would they have those numbers, right? So, um, yeah, immigration advocates point out that because of COVID-related uh, reduction in non-essential travel, which brought it down to almost zero from the Mexico side, yeah. uh, it was actually a lot easier to do um, drug interdiction inspections. Yeah, see? because there's fewer cars coming through. Exactly. So, um, and the other part about this, by the way, by uh, Custom and Border Patrol's own numbers, um, fentanyl seizures have actually risen steadily since 2018 anyway. Which coincides with opioids. Right. You got it. So, yeah. So that's that's first misleading statement. Let's go for the second one. We have seen over a 3,000% increase in sexual offenders being detained at the border. As a mother... As a former prosecutor and judge, that infuriates me and terrifies me. Okay. So, 3,000% increase. Doesn't say where. I mean, she says the border, right? So, she uh, is... Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, are these American citizens fleeing to Mexico? No. That would be... <laughs> Did they separate those numbers, though? Friends of Epstein? What are you doing here? <laughs> no, no, no. So the uh, over 3,000% increase. She is likely taking this from a piece that appeared on Fox News published on May 27th. Okay. Is it once again comparing 2020? Um, yes, it sort of. But here's the fun part. So basically, this report isn't from isn't an aggregate of the entire border. It's from the Del Rio sector of Texas. Okay, first of all, and it did the Del Rio sector of Texas did report uh, an increase of 
3,166% in the apprehension of basically um, unauthorized entrants uh, with who uh, with prior uh, sex crime convictions. Okay, so they're not being arrested for sex crimes. Okay, they're okay. being apprehended. And these are the do these um, people being apprehended are the charges in the u.s in mexico it doesn't say but i i would presume based on how data works i'm gonna guess american charges like they were here previously that's that was kind of what i was i was feeling and moody's children the the does th- she have sons daughters i, I don't know because I feel like if she had daughters, she would have explicitly said that. Probably. But he- here's the part that you can get all that from the headline. And I think that might have been all she read. Because if you actually read the article, um, those arrests, that number, that increase, that actually includes arrests since the beginning of the f- fiscal year, which means October of 2020. You see? Oh, so not in the last six months. Correct. Also, while that is a massive percentage, the actual number isn't as scary. 95 people. Individuals. Correct. That 3,000% is 95 people total versus like 12. Oh, it seems like yeah. Customs and Border Patrol are doing their jobs. Well, it's not only that. Again, they're not being arrested for sexual offenses. They have prior convictions, and I'm not trying to stick up for them as people, but I'm simply pointing that out. They're being arrested for unlawful entry, okay? By the way, that same article, it actually cite, uh, cites reports that claim border agents encountered more than 178,000 migrants in the month of April alone. So if we were to take all those arrests, 95 people, and put them into one month, which is being, I'm, I'm being extremely generous here, that means- Yeah, it point, definitely wasn't one month. That means 0.05%. If you took all those arrests, right? If you aggregated them out, it's something more like, it, it, it would be like almost one-tenth of that. Interesting. Okay. So that's her 3,000% increase. And that's why she says 3,000% and not 95 people. I was about to say, that sounds way more scary. Over the course of like like one two, like eight months, right? So what about this last one? When this administration took office, they canceled Operation Talent which was an enforcement action to round up and deport those here illegally that were convicted sexual offenders. I begged them not to do that. I was ignored and they went further. Now they've said, we're not gonna deport people here illegally that are serious criminal offenders. We're gonna release them into our communities. And so thank goodness I have a supportive governor and we brought suit. And we look forward to taking that case to court in September on appeal. Yeah, the one that I told you about earlier that they'd already lost, they got thrown out. That's the suit she's talking about. Wait, which one? Uh, the one she was just saying why we brought suit and why we're on appeal. Yeah. That but- has nothing to do with Operation Talon. Um, it has to do with a memo that was reprioritizing how ICE does removals and enforcement actions. Um, effectively, you know, instead of trying to round up everybody on ICE detainers, they're prioritizing uh, prior orotizing people who present like a serious threat like people who are like have a a demonstrated history of violent crimes people with strong um organized crime which makes sense right i would want them to be prioritized and if if for no other reason that there are limited resources you know it's like so operation talon which is a dumb name yeah (laughs) yeah operation talon 
got rid of that? No, no, no. She's conflating two different things. Oh, so these have literally nothing to do with each other. Correct. Operation Talon was an ICE operation that was planned in the final stages of the Trump presidency. Okay. Basically, this is what it was. It was designed, and I don't have any details on it. Um, It was designed to specifically target those undocumented persons who were in the country illegally, who also had prior sex crime convictions. Okay. Okay. As in they served their time. Again, I'm not sticking up for them morally. I'm just making it clear what their actual crime was. Okay. So the it's prioritizing people with prior um, sex crimes for deportation who would have been deport, deported anyway. Okay. Okay. Now, and the Biden administration stopped that? Nope. The program was shelved and postponed for some reason, probably logistically, in February. It never actually started. Okay, and uh, that led to social media posts declaring Biden canceled the program. And oh, and also led to some QAnon type stuff. Yeah, of course. So according to a fact check by Reuters, the decision to postpone Operation Talon was made by line level ICE personnel, which is to say not like executive staff. Right. And it certainly wasn't made by anybody in the Biden administration. Okay, Uh, the op was meant to be part of SOAR, which is another larger um, operation that is similar that predated it by several years and continues to operate till this day. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. So that's pretty much all it was. Um, What she's talking about is a letter that was signed by 18 attorneys general asking the Biden administration to reverse the decision. And when challenged on that, when people, when news outlets like contacted some of these uh, attorneys general and point out, Hey, the Biden administration didn't do this. It was ice line staff. What do you have to say of that there? One of them gave like a really weak response where it's like, we stand by what we said, because no matter who actually canceled it, even though they claim it was Biden, um, he still has the power to reverse that cancellation. And also it wasn't canceled. It was postponed having to do with like logistics or funding or something. I don't know why. Um, and they know that too. Hmm. Yeah. I have a feeling of who the 18 (laughs) were, but okay. Yeah. So she is conflating two things that have literally fuck all to do with each other. Not a goddamn thing. That's why I'm so confused. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's on purpose. So Moody finishes up. And uh, a few county sheriffs step to the microphone and pay homage to DeSantis. Uh, oh, he's so great. Thank you for your Oh, leadership. well, you can't speak unless you tell me how great I am. Yeah. Well, Otherwise, you get to stand there like a goddamn lamp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were a couple back in the, in the back of the pack. I, I could see on their faces. I'm like, God, how much longer do I have to fucking stand here? You know? Like, I got shit to do. <laughs> so, um... You know, all these sheriffs, they're kissing his ass. But one guy in particular actually stuck out. Uh, Sheriff Wayne Ivey of Brevard County. He's kind of semi-famous for making viral videos and sort of making game shows out of law enforcement. Like Wheel of Fugitives. Um, Oh, I don't like this. Trevor Noah talked about this guy, actually. I'm seeing... I forget where this is, but for some reason this image just flashed into my mind of like... um, there was, oh God, I can't even remember where it was, but there was a police station that made, like had a Christmas tree in their lobby and they put mug shots on it. Oh, I think I heard of this. 
that's what came to my mind when you said that. Yeah, well, this guy does like a weekly or monthly show where he puts the pictures and names and information of fugitives on a wheel. Information? And, well, not like, he's not going to give like their social security number. But like, you know, their picture, their name, information that's usually released to the public for like a dangerous fugitive. Oh, okay. And he spins the wheel. And whatever it lands on, he he encourages the public to put social pressure on this person to turn themselves in. Now, these guys are not, I'm not saying that these guys are innocent. That's not what I'm saying. The problem here, among other problems, is that it turned out that not everybody on the wheel was a fucking was fugitive. guilty, yeah. Well, no, I mean, technically none of them had been convicted of anything. They were fugitives, you see? Oh, got but it, okay. They, well, I mean, unless they like fled from prison or something. But not everybody on the on the wheel was actually a fugitive at the time they were on the wheel, even though their faces and names were out there. So they were already in custody? Or they just weren't fugitives anymore. Oh, because like charges were dropped? Some, for some, some reason. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's um, Wayne Ivy. So Ivy, I don't enjoy the idea of law enforcement being made into a game. Well, then you really won't like law enforcement using war um, type of language because that's what Ivy's about to do. So while kissing um, DeSantis's ass, this is what Ivy had to say uh, when describing the quote-unquote border crisis. So I'm going to start right where everybody else has, and that is to thank our governor for having the courage to stand up and be the first to come to uh, the aid of our partners in law enforcement out in Texas and Arizona. Seems like they're doing uh, I will just tell fine. you that our governor is about leadership. He's about crisis management, and more than anything else, he's committed to law and order. And I am proud to stand here with him for part of this announcement. I will also tell you that the current administration in Washington is talking about spending $4 billion of taxpayers' money to look at root causes in other countries of why they're, they're migrating to our country. You don't need to spend $4 to figure that out. You don't need to spend $4 billion to figure is that out. Is he going to say it's that they're simple. envious of our freedom? This administration has opened the floodgates to our country. They've allowed illegals to come into our country, and with them, they are bringing victims of human trafficking. They are bringing fentanyl by the truckloads. They are taking everything that our ICE and, and customs partners can take. They're throwing it at them, and our law enforcement partners out there are overburdened. So I like that. I like that because it's just... This shit has been going on for years. Why is it that you suddenly care? Also, the implication there is like... You, well, no, it's not an implication. It's a flat-out accusation. The Biden administration, quote-unquote, opened the border, which led to these things I happening. I fucking hate it when people say that. Oh, we have an open border. We don't have an open border. Yeah, if we had an open border, then why do Republicans keep touting the fact that there's record numbers of people being apprehended? That doesn't make sense. Right. So, yeah. And then, you know, um, Ivy is also saying, you know, he, he's saying these things like we open the border and that's why they're coming. Like they wouldn't show up anyway. Number one. Like also, I think that it is um, relevant. And honestly, like you probably don't have to spend four million dollars to figure out why. Billion. Because, Jesus. OK. <laughs> um, you don't have to spend four billion dollars to figure out why. Uh, take a look at our history of imperialism in South America, and that should probably tell you why. I mean, also climate not, change. Yeah, and not exclusively, I should say, not exclusively, but in certain areas of Latin America, you know, 
us creating unstable reason or regions. Yeah, the establishment of the Panama Canal and everything that went with that, uh, the School of the Americas, the uh, funding of the Contras. The I mean, it, it's like I we 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 could, we've instilled a lot of dictators. Though. Oh yeah, we we were great at that. You know, we were great at coups, right? Oh, you know, democratically elected uh, government. Fuck y'all. You get Pinochet. You know. Who ended yeah. up committing an assassination on uh, on American soil, by the way. But again, like, yeah, you kind of already know. Mm-hmm. But I understand that that's what government does is it has to be official before you can even comment on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. To me, that seems relevant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wayne Ivey's bullshit speaks for itself. You know, he's spinning nativist rhetoric and he doesn't really give a shit about why. And, you know, I always said that the mark of any good criminal investigator is to look at a potential motive and say, Psh, who fucking cares? Because motives, the whole ball game yeah, before they change the ball game. So Ivy, fin- I got one more for Ivy. He finishes up with some war rhetoric that really reminds me of like the anti-communist stuff of from the 20th century the sheriffs that you see standing here as well as sheriffs across the state of florida are ready to either deploy resources work in augmenting state resources if the governor deploys them whatever it is that our governor needs we are ready to rock and roll because quite simply we can either fight this battle at the border where this administration from washington should be fighting it or we can fight it here in our own backyards. And when you look at fighting battles, we don't want to have to fight in our backyard. So if the federal government's not going to do it, thankfully, our government, our governor is going to do it. Yeah, that was a little clunky. Did he just, <laughs> he just NIMBY? He just did Red Dawn. He, <laughs> what? He did, he, that, was, that was some straight up like born on the 4th of July, you know? It's like Ivan's in our backyard, you know? Uh, like we're fighting the communists. We're fighting the Reds. You know, it's just, you know, is any good war leader will tell you, you never fight in your own backyard. Thanks, Sun Tzu. That was great. Didn't we fight a revolutionary war in our backyard? <laughs> yeah, we did, didn't we? Did we literally, fight a civil war in our backyard? Like literally in our backyards. I mean, but we didn't want to, you know? Oh. You we don't want to. We, we reluctantly accept responsibility <laughs> when it is thrust upon us. <laughs> To paraphrase Jeff Winger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jeff Winger. I'd take him as governor over this guy. So that was Ivy, and we're... So I got one clip left. It runs a little long, but this one I think is great because... um, Also, I just got to say this. I feel like the only reason why they are going to get deputy... Like Florida deputies to go along with this bullshit is because they're probably going to pay them like triple overtime like 24 7 yeah probably it's gonna be like you know several weeks or however fucking long they're there 16 days two days in a fortnight (laughs) i mean if you want to put it like that yeah they're gonna they're gonna fix the uh the border crisis in 16 days well good fucking luck to them yeah i'll give you the actual numbers in a second it's very robust they're they're only going to do it for the overtime. Yeah, yeah, they're going to watch and ne- they're, they're going to watch Netflix. They're all complaining about you know taxpayer spending and all of this kind of stuff. But where do you think cops get their fucking paycheck from? Well, I mean that's like the one good part. But um, this last clip, um, like I said, it's a little long. It's about two minutes, but the payoff comes at the end. 
Okay. Oh, God. Because before DeSantis ends the conference, he takes a few questions from reporters. Now, oh, no. <laughs> now, now they're mostly softball stuff. Okay. Uh, but this well, last. You got, you got to have a few plants in there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But this last guy, um, he's. Uh, this was pretty good. Um, this reporter is trying to walk DeSantis into a trap. Okay. Does and, it work? No. But see, in doing so, he steps in a pothole because. DeSantis avoids the trap, but in doing so, he kind of destroys the entire premise of the day. Okay. So basically this reporter asks him about drug addiction and yeah. Okay. Uh, who is the reporter and where do they work? Didn't catch his name. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, but this is a good question. So basically he asks the governor about like, uh, excuse me, uh, drug-related um, crime and overdoses and that type of thing and how it relates to the Biden administration, which has only been in power for six months. And okay. you can tell that DeSantis is winging this one and until he finally stumbles onto just that last sentence, which he probably shouldn't have said. Are you saying today that the amount of drugs and the amount of overdoses that are happening here as are a result of Biden's policies of opening up the border? So um, obviously we had drugs prior to January 20th. I mean, that's obvious. You can see that. Um, we saw overdoses increase in 2020, largely because I think of the fallout from COVID, people being feeling isolated, just how people's lives change. Even though Florida, we were the freest state, you couldn't escape that. Brag. So it's a problem. It's not like this is the only thing that's creating the problem. But I can tell you, I met in my office uh, just a couple weeks ago with a bunch of the rural North Florida sheriffs. The number, they had like five issues and it was number one, two, three, four, five were meth. That's what's happening. And, and they say it's all coming across the southern border at this point. Obviously, we didn't have zero coming across prior to January 20th. I think we understand that. It's, it's a constant issue. But the increase that you're seeing absolutely is gonna mean more uh, of the meth in our communities, and it is going to exacerbate uh, the underlying problems. And so if we can push back on that, we could get back to where we were prior to January 20th. It doesn't mean you don't have to deal with it. You will absolutely still have to deal with it. And as the Attorney General said, I mean, the fentanyl that's coming in, uh, there's a lot of fentanyl on the, I mean, they've already brought in enough to do so much damage. Still talking. continue having to deal with that. Fentanyl overdoses uh, were up Fentanyl? sharply all across the country Here it comes. Uh, over the last year. Very, very potent and powerful and nasty stuff. And it's, it's really destroyed and taken a lot of people's lives. So this is not, you could secure that border tomorrow. It does not mean that you would not have to deal uh, with what we're having to deal with, with, with drug abuse. So what the fuck are we talking about? Did you catch that? He just said, if you close the border, we'd still have to deal with drug abuse. Your whole premise was that the border is basically why you're having these drug problems. So the the I think that that reporter was trying to walk him into a follow-up. I think that reporter wanted him to say, uh, yes, I do think it's related. And then he was going to hit him with all of the drug uh, facts from 2020, 2019, 2018. And DeSantis was smart enough to avoid that. But then in avoiding it, he had to admit 
I also felt like it was super weird because he was like, well, we just want to get back to like, you know, January, January 20th <laughs> levels. Like those, those are some good levels yeah. right there. Yeah, those were those were great. You know, you know, January 20th, where magically no one did any drugs. Yeah, it's not like there were record uh, seizures total in December of 2020. So I also love how he's like Florida, you know, the freest. Yeah, he state. had to brag. He had to get that one in there. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you could close the board tomorrow and you still have to deal with the drugs, you know? So yeah, no shit, dude. Yeah, it's not like drug addiction is going to go away. It's like, it's whack-a-mole. Did he, anyone laugh after that? No, he quickly ended after that. It was that. He went to pictures after that one. Nobody followed up on that. So yeah, I should just note something. You know, speaking of just how people spend, um, you know, their political capital and, you know, their state's money... Um, the uh, according to the medical nonprofit, the Commonwealth Fund, which was established in 1918, one of their main focuses is um, increased access to health care for uh, marginalized people. Right. Um, and I assume that includes undocumented people. Everybody. Okay. So that they, they are they are legit. You know, they do good work. Um, they have they rank every state in terms of just, you know, access to health care, um, various metrics. I have seen their data before. You want to know Florida's rank? Like a D minus? 41st out of so 50 like states. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, they, so in terms of healthcare, and I only bring that up because of, you know, like uh, narcotics treatment and just treatment of people in general, pain management, that type of thing, access to healthcare. They suck at this. But as of today. I feel like first is probably like Maine or something, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, I think it, Massachusetts might be one or two. Um, yeah. I, some, that tracks. Yeah. So, as of today, um, Florida is committing officers to Texas, along with Iowa, Nebraska, and Idaho. They're sending people down? Yeah. Nebraska is literally the center of the fucking country. (laughs) I mean, I guess they do have lots of borders, but it's with all other Midwestern states. So, yeah. Nebraska, Idaho, and Iowa. Um, Florida's sending 50 uh, cops for two weeks. Um, they're all from state agencies. None of the uh, deputies from those sheriffs that um, uh, volunteered are going to Texas. If anything, they're... None of the 12? N- well, th- so there's 12... Those are 12 sheriffs. See, the, the deputies didn't volunteer for shit. Well, that's that's what I was saying. So the 12 deputies that were there... The 12 sheriffs. Uh, sorry, that's what I... Sorry, the 12 sheriffs that were there, none of them sent any of their people? No. So what they're relegated to is to backfill for the state cops who went to Texas. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what they're doing. Well, so, boys, which all in- I can say is bask in that overtime. <laughs> yeah, the state agencies include uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you hunting for invasive species? I don't know. I thought we were done with, uh, with catch and release, you know? Fuck, I was about to make that joke. As, <laughs> as soon as I made my terrible joke... And then you were about to say something. I was like, fuck, catch and release. And then you said it. And I was like, damn it. Yeah, there was also Florida Highway Patrol, you know? I mean, so there's that too. Anyways, yeah. Did we uh, did we learn anything today? Anything at all? If you close the border tomorrow, <laughs> you'll won't still go- have to deal with drugs. <laughs> oh, DeSantis, you scamp. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. All right. 
Well, well did you learn anything today? Um, yeah, I, I, I learned that there is little hope for the people of, of Florida as long as DeSantis is the governor. Um, I hope he resigns to run for president and then loses. I hope that's what happens. So, with QAnon being what it is, who the hell knows? Apparently, QAnon's made its way into um, like spiritualist communities in like Southern California. So you have like a bunch of yoga teachers like spouting QAnon BS. Yeah, and it's like okay, we breathe into our down dog, and then all together, Joe Biden's a demon. Ah, something like that. Yeah, I feel like you're not too far off. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll maybe we'll talk about that next time. Um, before we I take us out, Anna, you got anything? Don't worry about it. No, I can I can find something good that happened. <laughs> There's so much good. Uh, I'm just gonna look on my phone real quick. Not a big deal. There's there's something good, right? <laughs> Jesus. Don't, don't tell me. I can find it. I, I mean, Attorney General Moody is is in a good mood when she talks about Governor DeSantis. Is that a good thing? That's a terrible thing. I mean, uh, I don't know how to feel about this, that uh, John Cox, who is a Republican businessman who's running for California governor campaigns with um, a 1,000 pound Kodiak bear. Is that a good thing? I don't know how to feel about it. Honestly, I don't like it. <laughs> okay. All right. That's not a good thing. That's a all terrible right, right. thing. Um, um, okay. I'll just, judge no, I'm, I'm going back in the history of like, <laughs> you know, things that I've read. There's a neo-Nazi or neo-Confederate group that contains military and politicians. You really need like a, a cleanse in your timeline. Oh, that's a good thing. The Supreme Court declined to hear the dispute over bathrooms for trans students. Oh. That is a good thing. Oh, okay. So because they denied to hear it or denying review, that means that the lower court you know, the, the ruling of the lower court remains intact. Which was? Um, Supreme Court on Monday declined to take up the issue of whether a na nation's schools must allow trans, uh, must allow students to use the bathroom that matches their gender identities. You can use bathrooms that you, that align with your gender identity. Got it. Yeah, I believe that, um, um, they said that there was no need for the Supreme Court to take up the appeal because the lower courts that have considered the issue reached the same conclusion that treating tr treating transgender students differently violates federal law known as Title IX and bans sex discrimination in school programs. Nice. Does so would that invalidate all of these like only biological girls play girls sports? Um be interesting to see probably okay well. also tennessee came out with like a truly stupid um a way of like signaling out trans inclusive spaces that basically allow trans people to use mm -hmm. the bathrooms that they want yeah um i mean we should probably all just make 
you know, non-binary bathroom. So then you don't even have to fucking think about it. Right. Tennessee actually, yeah, God, see, now this is something negative. (laughs) Tennessee actually requires businesses that allow trans people to use gender affirming bathrooms, for lack of a better term. Um, In order to, to do that, it basically singles out businesses and you have to place like a huge, like a sign next to your bathrooms with a giant notice on it with a black or red background and yellow lettering block lettering on it that says that um like the language is technical but long story short it warns cis people that trans people might be in the bathrooms of this particular establishment that's fucked up yeah wow Kaylin okay. Conrad came out with a really good video about it. So okay. we'll we'll put that down there. So this is a, So no, nothing good you, happened. <laughs> this <laughs> You Okay, we we're we're going to we're going to watch something we're we're going to watch something on Netflix or something that's very very positive. This is uh, Parks and Rec? That's Hulu. This is I'm just having a okay. hard time. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Let's we'll, we'll watch Avatar. I do like Avatar. (laughs) Avatar it is. All right. That was our show. Uh, We will see you next time. Keep your heads down. Watch some Avatar. And make sure you call your governor and urge them not to send law enforcement officers to Texas so that they can tilt at racist-ass windmills. All right? We'll see you next time. Later.